time where the phone never stops ringing. Cold calls and spam emails seem to pour in endlessly. And there is always someone that wants to buy you lunch for the chance to make you a client. This is where real salespeople pitch solutions to real problems while we snuff out the BS. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast with your host, Voron Spivak. Hey folks, we're back on the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. We're sitting here with Sanjay Singham. How are you doing today, Sanjay? I'm doing really good. How about you? Awesome. You and I have a long history of trying to get stuff done and it never gets done. Well, eventually it does, right? So yeah. that's that's the important thing. Yeah. So what the audience doesn't know is that we've been trying to do this recording for almost a year now. And between my schedule and y'all's schedule, things just got in the way, but we're here. Well, it's a good thing. I mean, business has been picking up. So unfortunately, we haven't been able to connect much earlier, but it's a good thing when your business starts moving in the right direction. No, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of moving in the right direction, you work for a little company called ITC Global. And I say little because you're not little. Well, yeah, I mean, we're probably a mid-sized company. We do a lot of business in really harsh environments doing uh, satellite communications. Our primary business is oil and gas, of course, but we also do a lot of work in enterprise, commercial shipping, Nonprofit organizations, NGOs, anything where people need connectivity and there's no fiber or LTE services, that's where our product really shines. Yeah. And where y'all really shine as a company is when people and companies need connectivity in the middle of nowhere, y'all are there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen it all and we've done it all, right? All the way from the Arctic Circle down to deepest, darkest Africa, making sure that the services are always up and running. Yeah, and it's, y'all have done some incredible work. I've seen y'all do work during natural disasters that just, I mean, y'all should win awards for, right? Getting, <laughs> getting companies and pipelines and refineries back up and talking so they can start producing fuel. You know, that's in y'all's DNA. It is. I mean, actually, during Hurricane Imelda, we had a customer who had two different sets of VSAT services, ours and another provider's. I was stayed up the entire time the hurricane flowed through and, and theirs kept dropping in and out. So they migrated their services over to ours and just ran everything that way. So we have a lot of experience operating in really, really tough conditions, and we're very proud of that. Yeah, and y'all should be. Now, the cool thing is last time you and I talked, we were talking about a product y'all had, which back then was new, called Crew Live, right? Where you're basically letting the guys and women and men offshore have access to broadband, internet, movies, all the stuff that makes offshore life more bearable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I recount the original story that I told you about somebody checking their cameras out on their deer lease out in West Texas before they got back shore. We still hear stories like that. We still hear a lot of people, uh, how happy they are to be able to connect with family, which seems to be the most important aspect of what they're doing. Using your iPhone, WhatsApp, whatever it is to be able to speak to family is a very important aspect of being offshore. Yeah. And what I think is really cool about it is y'all make it seamless for the owner of the rig, right? The owner of the rig is basically says, do it. And y'all show up to your own people, your technicians, y'all know the offshore world, you got to make sure everything's done right and safe and y'all just get it installed. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, we have a few different models now based on what the customers would like to see. But the original model and, and one that is still our most popular is where we show up with all the equipment. We don't charge the rig owners for any of it. And we grant access to our very large networks to the folks on board the rigs. And they're able to use it and, and we keep all of the revenues from that. So we're taking a risk because some people may not want to use it. But generally, it's proved to be very popular for morale on board because they're not fighting for, let's say, 256K of, of bandwidth. And they're getting 8, 10, 12 megs in some cases. 
And so they're very happy with what they're getting as a result. Yeah, and today he's a Netflix world or Facebook Live world, 256K just doesn't cut anymore, does it? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I mean, Netflix probably requires about a megabit to be even decent, and, and that's the pixelated version. Right. If you're looking at something like high def, you're talking about 48 megabits of throughput just to watch that. Yeah, I'm still amazed y'all are able, because I come from that world, still amazed y'all are able to provide that much broadband at a drop of a hat. And I know it's more than a drop of a hat, but literally y'all just show up, y'all install everything. All of a sudden I got major broadband in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, I mean, you know, our networks are, you know, that's one of the really nice things about being part of the Panasonic organization. They buy so much capacity and we are a very willing recipient of all of that. We're able to stand up very large networks very quickly just because of the name Panasonic brings and the amount of capacity that they buy. So we're able to use that to actually increase the throughput for our customers as and when they need it. All right. So Sanjay, I want to kind of circle around. So I know what y'all do. I love what y'all do. I think it's awesome. Connectivity everywhere in the world. But last time that you and I spoke, we talked about Crew Live. Things have changed. You have some new stuff going on at ITC Global, don't y'all? Yeah, we do. We're actually starting to look more at the items that keep the CISOs and your IT guys and your network security guys up at night. And one of the facts that we stumbled across is that about 87% of CISOs that have been polled in the last year said they've had some sort of cybersecurity incident. You know, that's a large number of people saying, I've had some sort of either ingress into my network or a breach of some sort. What really alarmed me as I was reading this article was that about 46% of them had no idea that they even had one or multiple breaches. So working with our Panasonic parent corporation, we're starting to bring to the market a cybersecurity product. And this product really is interesting because Panasonic itself employs ethical hackers. We don't outsource their work at all. We actually bring them all in-house. And these folks have been in the industry. They've been out there hacking sites for many, many, many years. And what we did was we brought it all in. We stood up our own security operations center. We've also done a lot of work in standing up aggregators that actually identify threats before they happen. And Panasonic's been doing it for quite a while for the airline industries. They've actually partnered with the airlines. They've partnered with mines out in Canada. They even hacked a steel mill out in Pennsylvania at one point. And so in speaking to those guys, because we get on calls regularly with them, I'm, I'm always over in Lake Forest spending time with them. It made a lot of sense to bring that capability to the oil and gas market where, you know, espionage is, is a fact of life. And it's a billion dollar industry, more. And a single breach could cost you hundreds of millions of dollars. So the goal here is to really preserve and protect our customers' data so that they don't have to worry about it at night. So my team and I become the ones that stay up at night instead of the CISOs that are the ones that are currently worrying about it. We've also seen a lot of customers or a lot of potential customers don't have the people necessary to stand up an effective security team. And what we mean by that is that some of our customers have a single security guy for an entire company. That's not nearly enough. And Panasonic, they probably have about 20 people just watching these screens, making sure nothing goes bump in the night. So what we're doing is we're bringing this to the oil and gas market by partnering with them. And what we're doing in that area is actually we're doing application assessments. We're doing penetration testing where we're actually bringing the services. We're actually getting our ethical hackers to hack into the customer's network and show them how we got in. By doing that, we're showing them how to repel invaders. It's important to note that you still have a possibility of getting hacked. 
But what you don't want to do is be the easiest target in front of the customer. So what we're doing here is we're trying to make you as difficult a target because if one of your IT guys has a password that is 1234, it's going to be real easy for them to brute force it and get in. Whereas if we're able to log in and hack it and tell you, hey, one of your IT guys had this password, maybe you might want to change it, suddenly makes you a lot more difficult to get in and make the changes that people want to make. So that's what we do when we do a pen test. A web application assessment is where we go in and we'll look at all the applications you have and we'll try and determine if we can't or can't hack into it. And generally, the hackers always find a way and it's, it's impossible for them not to. And we do all of that work to try and identify threats. And then we, we move to a phase where we help them resolve the issues. So it's called a red team, which is a team that attacks the network, and a blue team, which is a team that helps you fix all the stuff that the red team breaks. Normally, the red team and the blue team are the same people. So that's when we call it a purple team. I know it's very technical. But what we're doing there is we're trying to ensure that the same people who broke into your network are the same people that are advising you to fix the problems and how to do it. So we're bringing all of those products into the oil and gas market. We've seen some significant interest from customers. They definitely want to get with us and figure out how we can do this better. So we also have a breach assessment, which is if you've had an intrusion into your network, that is if somebody has hacked into it, we actually send our engineers down to your offices and what they'll do is they'll sit down with you and your team, your IT team, your security team, whoever it is, and we'll ensure that we identify the breach, how it happened, and what was taken as well. Because the most important thing is the data that's flowing through your network. So we want to ensure that you know if a breach occurs, it generally requires a report to the board of directors. It probably may even require a notification to customers. It may require public disclosure. And we want to be able to get as tight as to what information was taken, if any, what breach was has occurred, and then we help craft that message along with the people who are working for the company. So we're almost the independent contractors, but we have your interests at heart because you are our customers and we want to make sure that your data is protected. Yeah, and if you're listening and watching this, people, and you work in oil and gas and you don't think this is serious, cybersecurity should be your number one priority next year and for the next 100 years after that because it's no longer bored kids in Pennsylvania, right? It's state-sponsored attacks. It's some of the smartest people in the world, and they're looking for data to help them. Usually it's financial data. Sometimes it's bid data. And once they get in, they can proliferate. And if you don't have a good security team, they may be in your system for years, and you don't know it, right? And the thing that's scary to me, Sanjay, is now I'm starting to hear reports where there are unethical hackers, which are shutting down pipelines, which are interfering with process controls and refineries. You're talking about human life that you could affect here, right? It's not a if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, OGGN is a small company. We've been attacked, right? I heard the CSO of Chevron, this was last year, said they get hit over 250,000 times a day. Yep. Yeah. And that's one company. That's right. The larger you are, the bigger a target you are. And we really want to try and avoid that by hardening your network as much as possible. Again, you don't want to be the easiest threat there is. There's a reason that Chevron gets attacked 250,000 times, but I assure you that the number of times that they've actually had a breach is probably zero. Yeah. So the other thing I think it's really cool about what you're doing, though, is you're bringing security from also the network layer, right? So the bad guys have to go through your guys first mm -hmm. before they actually get to the customers. Most attacks originate in the internet. It's an unpoliced place. You know, it's a lot of good information in there, but there are bad actors out there, right? And what you'll see is a lot of your threats originate from outside your network, from the internet. So what we do is, and I can't share a lot because the first thing the security guys tell us is you don't talk about your security posture. But what I can tell you is we do use cutting edge 
intrusion prevention, intrusion detection capabilities to constantly monitor our networks. In fact, we get a report weekly of how we're being attacked, where the threats came from. We know which country, we know the IP addresses. So what we're doing is we're taking a very active stance in looking at it. We know when our customers are being attacked. And in fact, a lot of times we're informing our customers before they're even aware. So it really provides a safe operating area for our customers to not have to sit there and worry Am I good? Is today the day I get hacked? And is today the day that all of my financial information or my drilling information gets posted on the internet for free for everybody else to look at, right? As you mentioned, with the pipelines being hacked, it becomes a very major risk, right? A few line leaking and catching on fire explosions all become very major problems. It even gets worse when you add on the internet of things on top of that, because now the internet of things is almost the wild west. People are able to develop all kinds of applications and pull all kinds of information, but there's really very little security around it. So we're trying to bring some semblance of sanity to all of this by corralling all of the data, making sure that it's captured properly, making sure that nobody can get to it, and that it's all on private networks where our customers can operate effectively. Yeah, it is interesting to watch what a lot of people call the digital oil field, which is the Internet of Things. It's really cool and it's needed, but it gives the bad guys many more places to get in the door because now you have, instead of one door, you have 5,000 doors. That's exactly right? right. Yeah, and every login, every terminal, every PC controller, whatever, could be a potential failure point for a bad guy to get in. And like you said, these are people coming in from the public Internet. So they're all over the world attacking whatever they need. And, the, and I'm not giving them street creds, but I will say this much, the black hat hackers, so the bad guys out there, they share information. And so the moment they find a vulnerability, they share it amongst themselves. And right, and if you're not covered for that vulnerability, a great example of that is Windows XP. I don't care who you are, oil and gas companies. I know somewhere in your organization, you're still running Windows XP <laughs> and it's not being supported anymore. It's not being patched anymore. And so you're wide open for this sort of stuff. You are. Cybersecurity is actually quite simple if you break it down. You, you keep the latest version of your software on maybe one version before but no more than that. You make sure that you limit your attack vectors, which means that you're limiting your ingress and egress points from the internet. You're making sure that your employees are properly trained because in any company, that's the biggest threat. Employees who don't understand the downside of plugging in a random USB stick into their computers. We had some customers where we were brainstorming with them. They said, we need USB because some systems are independent. They're air-gapped. And we said, well, great, then you use a specifically colored USB stick that says this color is for this company or this purpose and you're not allowed to use it for anything else. And if we catch you using your own personal USB sticks, it's an immediately terminable offense. That dropped a lot of their you know, random USB sticks being plugged in and that did drop a lot of their cybersecurity issues almost immediately. So there are ways and means to just keep it very simple. But the important thing is the CISOs or the CIOs and the CSOs, they really need to be thinking about this on a daily basis because it is the biggest threat that we face today from a security purpose stance. Yeah. And if you're a public company, you will have to divulge this to the board and it can affect shareholder value. I mean, you look at what happened to some of the major retailers the last couple of years and their stocks plummeted when somebody made a mistake. And to your point, the last big hack in Target wasn't a technology hack, but it was caused by people stealing the HVAC uniforms, walking into the data center and plugging a USB drive, right? And interestingly enough, our ethical hackers have done that. They've actually have they really? shown up at a mine site wearing the company's overalls because they ordered it online, walked into the server room, plugged their own USB stick in and left it and then walked off and had immediate access to everything. So it's not just the online threat that you have to think about. You also have to think about access control to your equipment. It really needs to be tied down to just your 
IT folks or just your engineering staff and nobody else should have access. The same thing goes for us here. I don't have access to our data centers. That's how tight it is. Only certain engineers within the organization have access to it so that we know only our folks can get in. And it's a caged room within a secure facility so that we know that nobody else can get in unless you're wanting to scale up and cut through whole, cut through steel walls. I suspect you'll have an alarm or two somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So we are very particular about who we grant access to. So you know, if you don't absolutely need it because it's not part of your daily job function, you probably won't have access to some of our systems. And so Sanjay, I got to ask you, so a lot of stuff I hear, especially from big companies, is like, look, I get that cybersecurity is important. I'm busy. I'm drilling wells. I'm producing. I don't have time for this. And typically in oil and gas companies, the IT staff are limited, right? Every year they ask to do a little bit more with a little bit less. So would y'all just come in and act like an extension of the company's IT group and actually do all the work required up front so you can actually come back to the client and go, look, here's your vulnerabilities. Here's my suggested course of action. Is that how that works? That's exactly right. So the only reason I can promote a, a product is because I've tried it before, right? It's important to me that I know what our customers are going to see. So what we did was we had our Panasonic folks show up here and actually attack our network. They showed up with about eight engineers. We sat in this very room and we had them start from outside the network. They used an LTE connection from their laptop and they hacked their way into our network. Now, it took them a while because we have quite a bit of security, but they eventually found their way in. And what they did was they showed us how they found their way in. They produced a report that was about 50 to 75 pages long that showed in excruciating detail. And then they worked with us to remediate every single one of those items, right? We had weekly phone calls. We had quarterly meetings where we sat down with them, reviewed how we were doing. And then we continued to work on that aspect because the threat isn't static. If it was... We'd fix it once and we'd be done. Right. But it's constantly evolving. So we're constantly talking to the security guys. We have weekly meetings with them where we're evaluating new threats. What are they seeing? What are they hearing? What do we need to be patching towards our routers, our switches, our servers, everything? So we spend a lot of time doing it. And we recognize that our customers are being asked to do the same thing with a lot less people. But that's why we're here. We want to be able to help them to drive that kind of efficiency without having to spend, you know, what would cost you know, five or six engineers, we could probably do it for the cost of about a single engineer a year. And then you have the domain expertise. Quite frankly, if you're you know, an oil and gas EMP company, your domain expertise should be getting hydrocarbons out the ground, right? You bring in the experts when you have critical needs, and that's what y'all do. Y'all are the experts. That's right. I mean, our hackers have been, you know, there's an old term that we use. It's called graybeards. They're all graybeards. I mean, they've been doing this for so long, right? They've, they've forgotten more than most new security guys will ever know. Because they've been around since it started, a lot of them. What we really want to do is bring their expertise to the customer, make sure that the customer feels comfortable with it. And everybody that we've done that with, we've brought our security engineers to their offices, which, you know, ethical hackers in a buttoned up oil and gas industry is actually quite funny to watch. But we bring our hackers to the customer, we introduce them, we let them get a feel for how the hackers do. And, and they generally put them through the ringer. They ask them a lot of tough questions. But our hackers know what they're doing. So it makes it very easy to provide the service to our customers at that point. It must feel good to walk into an office where there are probably at least three or four people at the table are thinking that we don't need y'all here. And then your hackers go boom, 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 boom. And they see the vulnerabilities they didn't even know they had. That's true. We, we've actually seen both. We've seen where our customers have come in and said, we have no idea what we're doing. We know it's a threat, but we just don't know how to fix it. All the way up to the customers that say, we have an entire security team and, you know, why do we need you? And, and generally what we do is we say, we're the independent third party. It's no skin off our back if you want to take our assessments or not. And if you believe that they're bunk, that's okay. That's your call. 
But at the very least, we're independent. We're not going to hide behind what was done right, what was done wrong. We just want to ensure that your data is properly protected. That's important to us. Yeah, the other thing is if you work in technology in that company, you're somewhat blindsided because you only know everything you've dealt with, right? And so you may in your heart really believe that you're locked down, you're secure, but you're not thinking outside the box, which is exactly what a hacker does every day is look for different ways and routes in. So it's interesting that you say that the banking industry is probably one of the higher industries, energy, i.e. your power plants are the highest attacked vector because people keep trying to shut down the energy grid and everything else. Our hackers have have seen it all and done it all. So they've brought experience from the banking industry. They've brought experience from mining. They've brought experience from oil and gas. They brought experience from the airline. I mean, imagine if somebody hacks your plane 40,000 feet up in the air, right? Just sitting in the seat. It's not a good place to be. And and that's why we bring these guys in-house because we don't want to trust it to an outsource company that may cut costs one day and bring in younger, cheaper engineers rather than keep the senior engineers around. We want the best and the brightest that we can get our hands on, and that's what we do in this case. Yeah, and what I think is cool is on your website, you actually have a resource for people. It's uncompromisingnetwork.com, is that right? That's right. Yeah, and you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the Uncompromising Network is is really for us to showcase the capabilities that we have and, and help educate anybody who's interested in that. It really shows how we can start driving some efficiency, give some ideas as to how you can start hardening your networks. It does cost money. And I know that, you know, oil and gas companies struggle with that today. But that's where we can help you by leveraging our capabilities and protecting your exterior network using ours. So we will pull your network in and then we set up a fiber connection between us and the customer. And it's dedicated to them. So there's no way you can get into that. And what we do at that point is we try and drive that message of cybersecurity is very important, not just in 2020, but 2020 and forward. It's going to increasingly get more important. And really all it takes is one oil and gas company to get hacked. And suddenly you're going to see a lot of people get very, very nervous. And it's going to be very important that we get ahead of that curve because no matter what happens, you don't want to be the one that gets hacked. Yeah, and the costing, I promise you, the cost of mitigating a hack is going to be a gazillion times more than having ITC Global come in and tell you where you need some help. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, our cost, we figured, comes up to about one full-time security engineer. But for that, you're getting six or seven senior security engineers. You know, So it makes a lot of sense, right? Yes, it does cost money, but what's your peace of mind worth to you? And look at all the municipalities been hit with ransomware attacks, right? Literally shut down the entire government, the state or city government. And unless they pay this fine, all their stuff gets wiped. And that's a, believe it or not, from a cybersecurity point of view, that's not a sophisticated attack. That's kind of a middle of the road attack, right? The best cybersecurity attacks are the one that you don't know happened. Don't even know happened, right. And it is amazing to watch the number of CIOs or CSOs that are shocked when they actually do find out that they had an attack because everything was flowing normally. Yeah, because the hacker was smart enough to just sit there and watch everything that was going on in your network. Those are the most scary to me as as a head of engineering. What don't I know about what's going on in my network? So that's why we set up a lot of honeypots, which is a, a trap for hackers. We set up a lot of security around the perimeter so that we're ensuring 
that nobody is is able to get in or at the very least make it very, very difficult for them to get in. Yeah. So Sanjay, another thing I kind of want to bring up is, you know, we keep talking about attackers with artificial intelligence and machine learning and spiders and bots out there. Now it's machines attacking machines, right? It is. And finding those intrusions are much harder to do because the machine is a machine. It's not a person. The machine never gets tired, whereas a hacker may go for two or three days and finally call it quits and just go to sleep. The machine's just going to try and brute force and try and find better ways to attack your network. And that's where the AI is good and bad. If applied properly, it really starts enhancing the way the humans do business. It, it removes a lot of barriers that were there. But when used badly, an AI system can really mess up your network. It will continue and sit there and just continue to attack it like any botnet does or anything else of that nature. They're just going to come after you and it's not personal for them. They're just assigned the task and they're just going to keep doing it 24 by 7, 365 until they find a way in. That's where you used to get DDoS attacks, you know, distributed denial of service attacks. And they're coming from all areas and they bring down people's networks because they're not set up for that. That's where we start looking at these items for you. We start thinking about what does this mean? You know, simple items like instead of putting public IPs on all of your servers, you put everything private and you only put a single or two different public IP addresses. You're really cutting down on the areas where they can go after you with. And if you really secure those areas, it makes life a lot easier for you. In fact, we strongly discourage our customers from using public IP addresses because it's a threat to them and more importantly, it's a threat to us and all our other customers. So we're very careful about how we assign public IPs. In fact, we tell our customers, if you want a public IP, we'll translate it. We'll do a NAT. And which is a network address translation. So we'll translate it from public to private, but in the meantime, it's going through a firewall. It's getting checked as it goes through. So we're ensuring that everything that we're doing is really in the best practices of the industry. Yeah, and so from what you just talked about now, that's really almost a business continuity element, right? So what you're doing is you have control of those IP addresses where the DNS attack is going. So if you have a denial of service attack, you can just shift everything over and the bad guys just attack basically nothing. They don't know they're attacking nothing, but that makes sure that you stay up, that your business continues to run. Exactly. We always have multiple ingress and egress points with multiple IP addresses, but everything in our network runs on private IPs. So we try and limit as much as possible the exposure and the threat to our systems because we really don't want to be spending a lot of time trying to clean up after an attack because it does take a lot of time as well because you have to figure out who was attacking you, why they were attacking you, was there anything found from that. It's simply easier to just reduce the threat vector to the smallest possible footprint and at that point, when they do attack you, you're using far less time than having public IP addresses everywhere in the world and having to to secure each and every one of those. Yeah. And the last big DNS attack that I know of was actually a, a big part was smart appliances. So basically, your mom's refrigerator was attacked in Walmart, and you didn't know your mom's refrigerator was attacking Walmart. That's exactly right. I mean, so... That's where they use a proxy, right? It's a proxy attack where they use somebody else's systems and try and get in. And here's the interesting thing. We're talking about it for businesses, but even at home, how many people have taken out their routers from the box and used the exact yep. same password that's on the router, right? That's not good security policy because they generally use the same password. Maybe it'll change some numbers here and there, but they're not using a random password generator. And I know people really hate random passwords for everything because it's such a nightmare to remember everything. But there are good password holders like FirstPass or, or LastPass. You know, there are other systems out there or capabilities that will allow you to store your passwords onto secure systems so that you don't have to go back and try and, and remember every single password. 
Me personally, I have a different password for every yep, site that I use. And it's very important, right? Now, my wife, on the other hand, uses the same password and it drives me crazy. But again, all it takes is one attack. I've seen what happens when somebody gets attacked. I've seen what happens when a company gets attacked and it brings down your operations or your manufacturing for an entire week and it's lost revenue and it's people's jobs and everything else. So I know how important it is. But those that haven't gone through it, they're going to undermine it or, or understate the threat until they actually go through it and they feel it. And suddenly they're going, this needs to be taken very, very seriously. Yeah, this has been awesome, Sanjay. We need to kind of wind down and get out of here. But there's one more thing I want to talk about, and that is your app. Yeah. So we're very proud about this. When I started at, at ITC as the head of engineering, it was one of the items. I come from consumer electronics I was at a different VSAT provider. I left, did consumer electronics for a while, and everybody has an app. But when I looked at our competition and I looked at their apps, the apps were really just reach out to us and we'll give you the information you need. ITC's portal is very different in that we give you all the information. We hide nothing about our networks. We hide nothing about our remotes because we feel that you should have access. It's your information. You should have access to it. But what I didn't like was that customers would have to log on to a website from their iPhone and try and see the information and it's scaled and it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. So we went through a process for about three to six months where we actually developed an app called the ITC Smart Connect app. It provides almost everything that the website provides, just scaled properly. But the really cool part about that is you're able to actually communicate without knock. You're able to dial out to your remote sites just by hitting a button. So we've got all the phone numbers for all the sites listed. So you can just tap on it and it'll make the phone call for you. You're able to open tickets if you see a problem. So you don't have to wait to get back in front of a computer. You simply just download the app, install it, put in your username and password, same thing as you had on everywhere else. And it will simply give you access to all of your sites. So you're able to see everything either on iPad or an iPhone. We're working on the Android version. That's a few weeks out from where we are right now. But once we have that, we'll have a full suite of tools that you can actually get to your data anytime that you want to. We do have plans, long-range plans, on being able to connect better with our customer using the app and providing them more information because information is always ammunition. And so we want to give them that capability to drive their business without having to wait for us to provide them the data that's the one thing we've seen, you know, we've got a lot of new deals coming up that you'll hear about over time. I can't share them all. But that's the one thing we've heard from all our new customers is that they really appreciate the amount of data that we're providing them. In some cases, they've actually asked us to back it off because it's too, too much. much. But for us, we'll keep handing you more and more data, more and more insight into your business until you tell us we don't really need that information. So we're using all of that and coupling that with an AI platform that we're currently building so that we can start churning through all that data and helping our customers make smarter decisions over time. But yeah, the app's called ITC Smart Connect. It's new on the App Store, so I would, any customers of ITC that are listening, I'd have them download it and use it. Yeah, imagine walking into a network operations center. You see screens everywhere, right? There's all this information, data. Everything is running in the back office. Now imagine having it in your hand. That's what this app is. It is really cool. Y'all have done an excellent job with it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very proud of my development team. They spent a lot of time. We, we did go through with a lot of beta customers to get their thoughts as to what they would like to see, what didn't work. So we spent a lot of time going through the voice of the customer process just so that we understood what they were looking for, what was the critical needs that they needed to know while they were out and about. And it's taken off quite well because our customers are very happy with what they're seeing. They're very happy with the stability of the app. I know a lot of apps, you know, they'll put them out there just to have a first version out. 
But we really wanted to take our time and make sure that it was done correctly, that it was very stable. So we had all of our salespeople, engineers, you know, marketing folks all testing it out and telling us what they think. So we're quite proud of the product. Yeah, you should be. It's awesome. So Sanjay, if people want to learn more about ITC Global, where should they go? They can go to itcglobal.com or even to uncompromisingnetwork.com and there'll be a link to contact us from there that gets routed to our marketing and sales teams. They'll be able to hook them up with the world's best service. Yeah, and so we'll have links in the show notes, people, so you can just either scroll up or left depending on your Android or iOS and just go ahead and click on the links. Sanjay, is awesome to have you on the show. As always, we need to do this again. Maybe let's not take a year next time. Yeah, certainly not. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining me today. Thanks a lot, I appreciate it. All right. All right. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck for February. We do not have any OGGN happy hours in February, but we do have an exciting event coming up in Pittsburgh. This will be our first happy hour there in March, and it will be taking place on March 25th. The location is to be determined, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter to keep up with uh, those announcements and to purchase tickets. The Houston API Luncheon will be on February 11th. This will be a networking event with top oil and gas business leaders. And they promise that you'll be learning something really cool. So check it out and sign up for that event. The Wildcatters Ball will be on February 7th in Houston. This ball is the primary oil and natural gas industry fundraising event for the IPAA Educational Foundation. Proceeds go toward funding the foundation's energy education programs. The API Energy Houston Three Gun Chapter will be on March 20th in Houston. This event fills up really quickly, so make sure to get your team entered. The best way to do so is to fax or email the form with at least a captain's name as soon as possible. If you need to wait for a check, just notate that on the bottom of the form and send it on. We will be sending Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister to Scotland, to Aberdeen, Scotland, on March 5th for DokaruCon, which is the first event of its kind. It is a conference for creating high impact sales in energy. And Mark and Patrick will be hosting a panel and recording a live podcast. If you're interested in attending this event, visit dokarucon.dokaru.com. And that is D-O-Q-A-R-U-C-O-N. That's all for this month. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to check again next month for more updates on OGGN events. Check us out next week for another witty and sometimes spicy episode of the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oil & Gas Global Network.